Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott. Welcome in College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott. I am uh, co-host here with Chris Petroselli. We've got a, a very fun night set up for you, exciting night. Uh, Jerry Smith from Santa Clara will join us as our guest. Uh, national championship coach has done an unbelievable job there at Santa Clara. So that's exciting because I'm looking forward to that. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And yeah, really excited about uh, having Jerry on. He's uh, been a great coach for so many years and so much experience and insight. I think he'll be, uh, he'll be a fantastic guest. So looking forward to that and should be a great show. Absolutely. So um, do we want to talk about uh, questions first? I got questions. I have four questions this week. I don't have any questions for you, but you you have none. I got none. I got nothing. That's unbelievable. Okay. Uh, Some of the three of these are kind of, um quick probably quick answers but i think they're good questions from our listeners so these all come from phil in uh, in mississippi okay all right three questions he's got okay uh number one this is a good question i think why do some soccer people use the term unlucky when you shoot or miss or hit the post Yeah, it's really, it's really, it, it doesn't make sense, does it? Like you shoot nah. and miss, that's not unlucky. That's just a right. bad shot, right? Yeah. He says, he says, he says, basketball people don't say unlucky; they just missed it. There's no unlucky there. Yeah, no, I know. I'm with Phil. I'm with. Okay. Phil. <laughs> you don't like the unlucky term. I don't like the unlucky. I mean, it's too bad about Brian. Brian would like to answer Brian the unlucky. He doesn't like the. Yeah. Okay. Number two, it's, a, it's an English thing. It's totally an English thing. We'll bring him in and, and ask him. All right, number two. Why do some center refs wave off the AR when he or she has a foul? Does it happen that way in any other sport? Yeah. So, I mean, the referee, you know, is, um, has the ultimate jurisdiction in our sport, right? Yeah. Uh Sort of oversees the, the ARs where maybe in basketball, all of them equally referee the game in our sport, the center referee is, uh, uh, has a whistle and, and makes the decisions. And so I think you do have times. And, and, and there are some referees who, there are some referees who tell their ARs, don't raise your flag. Like I'm, I'm calling. Sure. Them. Yeah. Right. right. That, that bothers me. I don't think that's right. What do you think about that? No, I don't think it is either because yeah. sometimes they can they see are, it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, a lot of it is sometimes, not a lot of, but sometimes ego come, gets involved in it for sure. sure. Um, and, and sometimes they think they have a better point of view and, and and you know go go with with what they think is right so it's a little you know a little different because there's one person in the middle who is in charge of everything so interesting situation that happened with us a few games back we played memphis and uh i don't know if you're watching but i don't remember if we we did talk about this but the the, they scored right at the last second right there's always a timing issue in college soccer because it's not exact right they count down from 10 and there's a horn some places not horn we don't have a horn so the ball goes in. We think it's not in. They think it is in, so on and so forth. Well, the the center goes over and asks the AR what she saw. So to me, that's difficult, right? How, is the AR's responsibility to figure out if the ball went over the line in time? Yes. It is. Yeah, the AR, but, is, the AR is seeing the ball because it, it, it counts when the ball goes over the line, 
But right. when is she, how is she dictating that? How is she able to tell that if she's not looking at the scoreboard? Well, that's why you're supposed to have a horn, Ole Miss. Um, <laughs> supposed to be, that's where the countdown came from. Yeah. Uh, soccer, we have the countdown and then the horn so that the AR has something to judge by. All right, I'm going to talk to my AD. Needs a, need a new horn. Well, or an air horn. Just someone on the side with an air horn. Well, that, that should be the fourth hit in the air horn, right? No, not the fourth is not the timekeeper. So some student assistant down on the Maybe. thing is supposed to uh, – I don't know. I don't know if I like this answer. Your anyway, okay. Horn. What scoreboard doesn't have a horn? Yeah, we have the jumbotron thing. It doesn't have I, a horn on it. You can put a horn on there. All right, I'll, I'll ask him about a horn. All right, last last question uh, from, from Phil. Nice. Uh, ask Chris, Chris if it's offside or offsides. Offside. And why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Isn't it because it's only one person that's offside? I guess so. It could be. Oh, I got that right, maybe. Yeah, maybe I answered that one. <laughs> All right. Here's I the think next offside, question. Offsides is in football, American football. Offside is in is in Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, because you can be offsides. They're all offside. Yeah. That's yeah. All right. Here you go. You ready for the this is a good one. Yeah. This is a good one. Okay. This is from Jay Money from Tennessee. She asks, if you had to put the other one in another job, non-coaching, what would you pick for them? Oh, what what job would I pick for you? What job would you pick for me? And what job would I pick for you? You would be a short order cook. (laughs) You know, like at the diner, you know? Oh, ting, 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 (laughs) ting. Chopping up the, chopping up the hash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you? Yeah, it's kind of funny you say that because you know what you would be? What you would I? be the old bartender with the with the uh, you know the the uh, towel over your shoulder. Oh, you come yeah, in, yeah. No, hey Maddie, can yeah. I get you a diet coke? Right, <laughs> sit down. Tell me how your day is. Yeah, that's that's good good. That. Like that's Coach good. on Cheers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's, that's totally who he is, Coach <laughs> from Cheers. <laughs> uh, the our younger population won't appreciate that. I don't even know who Coach yeah, is, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, that's what, Chris. You know, think about those. Those bars in New York City where it's just the bar, that's it. You know, yeah. they may have little chips, but all they serve is drinks. Walk in, you're behind the bar. And you're hey, Joe, how are you? You're Can behind the grill. <laughs> I'm behind the grill. There you go. We're back working together. That would be smooth. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, so those are the questions. About, tell me about the uh, the NCAA made this announcement about this bubble in North Carolina. What do you know about yep. it? Okay, so there's a number of sites all throughout North Carolina. Um, and I think they've been announced even, you know, Greensboro and East Carolina and, you know, Wake Med and Wilson and, and a number of these sites where the men and women are both going to go all 48 of the women. And, and is it 36 of the men, 32. 24 of the men, 32, 32 of the men. So the 32 men's tournament, the 48 women's tournament will all go to the state of North Carolina. Um, and they'll play the tournament there. And, and I think they're talking about, you know, as you as you dwindle down, you get closer and closer over to the Final Four venue. Um, so it's a bubble. It's it's somewhat of a bubble, like women's basketball, volleyball, uh, men's basketball. Um, that's what they're trying to do to limit, uh, you know, teams having to go. You know, the the goal I think is for certainly for the first two rounds, you stay in the same area, not a lot of travel, being able to test, keep people safe, and all that kind of stuff. That'd be interesting. Be interesting to see how that yeah. goes. No, there's been. You know, some 
some some controversy, I guess, about some of the other bubbles that are out there. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting. We've not heard a lot a lot about uh, the men's basketball bubble because I think they've treated those guys pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Fact, I saw a thing about where they have sort of a valet service where any of those guys can, you know, go onto an app and order a bag of potato chips, and they have volunteers ready to go out and get the potato chips, right? Or wow. one guy ordered a ukulele because he wanted to do some singing. So they had to go out and find him a ukulele and bring it back to the hotel for him. So hmm. I'm not quite sure that's going to happen in, in the women's soccer bubble. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm hoping, Chris, is they have we have heard some complaints, obviously, from the women's basketball one, right? So I obviously the NCAA is full of really smart people, and they're able to problem solve and, and, and make sure that they learn from whatever issues they are. So I'm hoping that as we get into this and in, in these next set of, of championships, they've learned from whatever was wrong in, in women's basketball and, and we'll make the, the soccer, volleyball, and all the rest of them as they come down the pipe better. Right? Yeah. I mean, you got to believe they're going to do that. Yeah, you would think. You would. Yeah. yeah. Did you uh, happen to catch our uh, under-23 men or Olympic team in their quest for qualifying this weekend? Yeah, so I watched the, the Honduras game last night in, in despair. Yeah, um, disappointing, it huh? just, yeah, it really was. And, you know, it just – it's – I mean, they they can't get over the hump, can they, to get into the Olympics? I mean, it's been a, it's been a minute now since they've been in. Yeah, so uh, they look tight to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they look, of course. They look tight. They look like they struggled with, you know, with the, the big moment, you know. And certainly, um, I think it's three in a row now that we haven't qualified for. And, and the uh, failures of the past look like they were on the shoulders mm-hmm. of, of this team as they played that game because – Honestly, we have better players. Um, obviously, we've had better preparation. We've got, you know, more resources, more players to choose from. I mean, so much more than than Honduras. And give Honduras credit, you know, for for doing what they've done. And they've been very good in the Olympics over the years. Um, but that team, to me, looked tight. Yeah. Well, it's it's such a, exactly what you're saying. You look at Honduras; they were easy free flowing loving life you know enjoy almost enjoying the match where yes the u.s looked super tight and it, it's just too bad because you know we've all been in those games right where you're just trying so hard and the u.s was trying so hard and they made a couple just colossal mistakes that those players wouldn't make those mistakes again in, in the next you know 20 years they play they won't make some of the mistakes they made in that game unfortunately that cost them the game but i, I do think um i do think it's really disappointing that we're not in again and and, and especially it's, it almost is, um, you know, worse because we're losing the way that we're losing, right? It was not necessarily as much about how good Honduras was, was how many really poor mistakes we made. Yeah, we gave it away. We gave yeah. It. Yes, we did. We certainly did. So anyway, disappointing for sure. All right. Well, Jerry Smith tonight. And then the power five is uh, board games. Oh, right. be, board games. Yep, that should be fun. Yeah, board games. What you know, bring you back to your childhood, Chris, or maybe your current. Current, you know. And let's let's be clear. The reason we came up with this is, uh, I told Chris one of the things I'm trying to do to better myself is each year learn a new skill. So I've taken up the game of chess. And uh, <laughs> chess is uh, is a difficult game. I never had any idea how how awesome it is. Anyway, all right, are we ready to bring him in? Yeah, we'll bring in Brian. All right. All right. Let's welcome to the show. The big deal, Chris, Brian Lee. How are you on this fine Monday evening? Very excited with 
Jerry Smith coming on soon. That's a big name where we got. It's, you know, we've had some really big names, but that's a big one we got coming. So are you excited about that? Well, normally you don't get a name bigger than you and Chris, but tonight you've done it. Oh, hey, you know, you didn't get to hear, you didn't get to log on in time. You didn't get to hear the questions. So, Chris, let's just ask him what what he would do, okay? So we got a question from Jay Money from Tennessee. She asks, if you had to put the other one in another job, non-coaching, what would you pick for them? So you got to put Chris in a different job and you got to put me in a different job. And just so the listeners know, Brian doesn't know what we said, what Chris and I said for each other. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And then we'll put put you in one, Brian. We'll put you You, in one. You did. You kind of put me in the soup right here. Um, But Matt, you are a restaurant owner, probably a barbecue (laughs) place. Um, Maybe... Maybe on try number three, the first two have failed, but you're a pretty positive guy, so you're on number three. Um, uh, Chris, let's see. Chris is a uh, – and we're saying he never got into coaching. No, or it's just you, you just can't like, be a coaching job. Go anywhere you yeah. want. Yeah, so you can say okay. never into coaching. That's fine. Had Chris never got into coaching, he's uh, – like an underworld uh, mafia boss somewhere in the Northeast. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, I think Brian would be Chris, a mechanic come out with a, you know, the, the overall on, it says Brian on his thing. Over, He's uh, greasy. I, I, He's I fixing over, a car. I'm oh, accountant. Oh uh, yeah. Maybe accountant. That's maybe better. Accountant's um, way better. Lawyer. I am so non-handy. <laughs> I mean, it, I called AAA the other day to, because my battery was dead. Let's just say that I did. That's real. I keep, I get triple A uh, just for those moments. So I'm not going to be a mechanic. Well, when we, when we had the chance to pick for each other, uh, Matt, yep. go ahead, tell them what you picked for me. I picked Chris as the uh, bartender with a towel over the shoulder. There you walk in the little pub and there he is. Hey, Matt, oh, yeah. can I get you a Diet Coke? Brian, what can I get for you? You're kind of like coach from Cheers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the towel yes. over his shoulder is key. Yeah. Not yes, a normal yeah. bartender, but towel right. over his shoulder. The that's guy that's going to talk to you about what are your problems are, he's going to help you through it. He's a bit of a psychologist, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. You're wondering how he's been stuck in that job for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. All right, Chris, go ahead. I picked Matt as a short order cook, like in a diner, <laughs> you know, with like the white apron on and a white T-shirt and the little white hat on, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ting, ting, if, ting, 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 you know, if, on, the, on the grill. <laughs> if things had went a little worse for him, he's the uh, Waffle House guy in Oxford, <laughs> not the women's soccer coach. Uh-huh. Uh, I tell you, who needs enemies when you have friends like you guys? All right. Yeah, the the uh, margins are very slim between one those other question two. We had, we had one other question. Phil from Mississippi asked this, and Chris and I both thought you could answer this. Ooh. Why do some soccer people use the term unlucky when you shoot miss or hit the post basketball people don't say unlucky just just missed it there's no unlucky there hmm yeah i don't you know have a great answer for unlucky that came from yeah it's super annoying but where did it come from you know we think we thought your english background you would know thought it was an english thing uh yeah the english coaches are more likely to say it yes but you know generally you're uh your English people are a little more on the negative side as well. So, okay. all right, Chris, let's get to it. All right, that's Brian. enough Here fun with Brian. 
There we go. Games this week. Uh, we're again focusing on on the Power Fives a little bit. Um, Big Ten. Penn State clinches. Rutgers loses to Wisconsin. That gives Wisconsin some life, I think. Uh, Ohio State wins. They're kind of hanging in there. I think Michigan's in a little trouble after losing to uh, Indiana. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we started hearing little murmurs about what's going on with their conference tournament. And if it really is like in the East-West, Michigan's in big trouble because it, it'll be there, them or Indiana to make the tournament. We'll see what that what that comes out as. But um, Wisconsin, that's a huge win. And it's it's really starting to look now like Rutgers, Ohio State, Wisconsin are kind of the fringy teams, the bubble teams maybe. And then Michigan and Indiana start looking like the bubble teams with Penn State safe as can be. All right. In the Pac-12, Arizona State with a huge win over UCLA in overtime. Uh, Washington State beating Colorado. Um, Oregon. How about Oregon? They beat Cal. They tie Stanford. That gives them basically four points against uh, Stanford. Um this year, and then uh, I, when I looked at it, I thought there's eight or nine teams in the Pac-12 that are kind of in the conversation. Absolutely, and obviously they're not going to get eight or nine teams, but we keep waiting on the Oregons and Arizona States to kind of fade away, and they keep sticking in there, um, which, you know, the Pac-12 is so interesting because you've got the wins over BYU for Southern Cal and UCLA early, but if those don't count for anything, if Santa Clara beats UCLA this week, then those wins don't really matter. Um, then they fall back. Southern Cal kind of falls back into that little mid-pack where we're just evaluating Pac-12 standings. And and right now, Arizona State and Oregon are kind of looking very good. Um, but in the end, you can't expect more than four or five teams. So it's it's going to go right down to it. And, and they've got plenty of games left. They're an interesting one. Big Big Ten's almost done, but the Pac-12 still got five, six games per team. I got a good amount left, yeah. And then other games out there, West Virginia has a big win over Duke. Memphis with a big win over Vanderbilt. Santa Clara with a big win over, over Pepperdine. Those are the ones that I picked out. Well, that kind of shuts down Pepperdine as any sort of at-large um, candidate and really protect Santa Clara if they get beat by BYU this week. Uh, Memphis, same thing, kind of protects them if South Florida, you know, this week Memphis plays South Florida and that game's at South Florida. So certainly the, you know, in the non-Ole Miss category, it's Memphis's tough game, toughest game of the year. Um, so it kind of leads into a bunch of big games this week as well. Sure does. Um, all right. What do you got for Brian's brackets this week? Oh boy. I, I kind of think you're starting to get clarity in some of the power fives where the ACC, FSU is the automatic Carolina, Virginia, Duke, Clemson look really clear that West Virginia win really makes the big 12, a three team league with West Virginia, Oklahoma state joining TCU. Um, the SEC, I feel like we got a lot of clarity there with Tennessee dropping the game to Cincinnati and then getting blown out by Carolina. So that's looking like Arkansas A&M, South Carolina, Ole Miss is the at-large teams, Vanderbilt is the auto. But the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are just a mess. 
It's how many bids are they going to get um, and still let themselves kind of shake it out. And I do think in the smaller leagues, now we're down to really St. Louis or Memphis. If they were to lose in their conference tournament, we can start talking about them as bubble team to maybe steal in a bid. But it looks like Hofstra and Georgetown are going to have to win those leagues if they want to play in the tournament, even though uh, Georgetown's unbeaten, Hofstra's unbeaten. But there's really, with the way those leagues set up their schedules, there's no good wins to be had. Um, so I, I don't see them getting bids if they don't win their tournaments. So we're starting to get clarity, but there's more teams in it. You know, Notre Dame even still has Oklahoma State and TCU to go. Win one or both of those games, they're right in the mix. So a lot to play for in these last two or three weeks. Yeah, it should be should be interesting. What's uh who's your team of the week? Well, that's a tough one. You know, you mentioned Memphis beating Vanderbilt, Arizona State beating UCLA. But both of those teams, I think there's still a little bit of work to do. I think the West Virginia win over Duke really solidified them in the field. And with a, a double dip against Virginia coming up. West Virginia need to win one of those three, and they did it right out of the gate. So that locked them into the field. So for me, West Virginia is the team of the week. I think it's a good choice. Um, I went with Oregon. I mean, Oregon, you know, on the road, uh, beating Cal, dying Stanford. Um, I, how many teams over the last few years have gone on that trip and come away with with, with four points? Uh, it's you know, it's probably hasn't happened for, for many years. So, so I went for, with Oregon. They've, uh, they've been on a little bit of a roll. Yeah. I mean, they're one of the ones where I think all of the neutrals, we want to be cheering for them, right? They're four, three and two in the PAC 12. And, you know, that's a, a program that's a big athletic department, but really 20, 25 years of uh, not the greatest in women's soccer. And, and right now they're, they're three, four games from getting in the tournament and, the, and they've already had a great season, even if they don't. Um, but I think a lot of the neutrals would love to see them succeed. And I wanted to uh, also um, just have a, another, it seems every week we, we discuss this, but I want to throw this by you, the Stanford issue, right? We've talked about Stanford. You uh, have given a pass, again and again and again and I've said nah not quite there not quite there and again another another result that doesn't necessarily help them and I don't know that they're uh and I, I don't know how much this will be a factor but their RPI isn't helping them right now either no and and you know we're getting the Pac-12 still got plenty of games to play but they're four three and one Oregon's like four three and two Cal's four three and one we might be at the point where we just have to, you know, put the Stanford kids in Cal uniforms and, you know, Cal's a team that doesn't make it every year. Right. They make it six out of 10, probably maybe seven out of 10. So maybe it's a year to start thinking about Stanford in those terms, but that that's a, that's a tough mental, mental block to get over, isn't it? It is. It is for sure. And you know what? But when I watch Stanford, I, I mean, I, certainly they have they have some good players, but um, it's not the same. It, it, it's not the same. It's not the team that that they've had the last few years. And and again, I'm not saying they're not a good team um, or there aren't good players, but they're different than they've been over the last few years. Well, they just don't have the game winner and the game saver. You know, it, they 
when is the last time Stanford legitimately didn't have a top three player in, in NCAA division one soccer? I can't remember pre Kelly O'Hara. Maybe I don't, you know, and she's no spring chicken. So um, it's been a long time since they didn't have a kid who they could rely on in the last five minutes to go get the result. Yeah. Okay, Matt. That's for Brian. That's it. Uh, Brian, uh, quick thoughts on uh, USA not qualifying for the Olympics men's men's U23. Oh, geez. Three in a row on the men's side. You know, we're really getting it. For me, we're starting to get in this age bracket where the guys coaching our contemporaries, Jason Christ, Greg Berhalter, or guys around our age who we've been familiar with for the last 10, 20 years. Um, and like every American fan, it's super frustrating. I mean, I don't really get it. How, how can we not qualify in our region of the world? Um, it seems a little off the reservation. But watching the game last night, I mean, I don't think we deserve that win that game. Do you guys? No, I mentioned earlier, I, I, I really feel like we were really tight. We almost choked it away. Like we made some really bad mistakes. And I think that they're, they're carrying this burden of, of not being able to qualify for the Olympics over the last 12 years uh, or whatever it's been. And, and that looked like it showed during the game. I, I mean, I really thought so. It's, it's different than a decade ago when these are college guys. Yeah. Those aren't college guys. Those are pros. And, you know, it, I thought Alexi Leila's talked about it a lot in the, the post game. Those are pros. Those might not be our best pros. Obviously, if we threw out our best guys, um, we, we probably qualified. But those aren't college guys anymore. Those are pros who have been pros since they were 14 years old, yeah. just like everywhere across the world. So, I mean, it's certainly disappointing and frustrating and all of those things for all of us. When, especially with the men, we can just put on our fan hat. Uh, we're just fans. When the women are playing, we feel a little vested in it. But for the men, we're just fans. So um, that that was tough, tough to watch. Gotcha. All right, and uh, let's get you out of here with thoughts on Jerry Smith. Oh boy, coming on. I'm gonna tell you. I mean, this steals from your uh, college basketball theories a few weeks ago with your coaches. Uh, here's the the best thing I can say about Jerry Smith is I feel sorry about for the next coach at Santa Clara. Yeah, this is one of the legends of our game and. Santa Clara will be nationally relevant as long as Jerry's the coach. And the minute he's not, that's going to be a really tough act to follow. He's done a great job and he's a real icon of American women's soccer. And I can't wait to hear what he's got to say about the past and, and the future. Good. Okay, Brian. Thank you very Hi, much as always. Wonderful talking to you. It's been just a pleasure. We we'll look forward <laughs> to chatting with Jerry. All right. That sounds very sincere. All right. See ya. See ya. Okay, Chris, excited to bring in our next guest, Jerry Smith from Santa Clara University. Um, just a fantastic coach who's been doing a real long time there uh, at Santa Clara, 34 years, national championship coach. Um, just real happy. And, and Jerry, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to chat with you boys and see where we go. Okay, well, first question. I got the first one. Um, what we like to do with really all our guests is if you don't mind, give us give us kind of your soccer path. We know you have an interesting path, kind of how you got to Santa Clara, uh, you know, from the early days and, and kind of what that all looked like. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Um, 
was a very unintentional path. Uh, coaching was an unintentional path and Santa Clara was an unintentional path. Um, you know, I tried to be a pro soccer player when I was younger, I wasn't good enough and uh, went into the working world like everybody else. And as I was working, making good money, people asked me to, you know, help out coaching youth soccer teams. And um, I really enjoyed it. I uh, helped out wherever I could. And, um, and then of course, one thing led to another with coaching opportunities. And finally I took a look at it and said, why don't I, why did I just coach for a living if that's possible? And uh, of course in the kind of early to mid eighties, there wasn't a whole lot of money to be made in coaching and not a lot of jobs available, quite honestly, anywhere. And I was working at Homestead high school where I went to school. I was coaching club soccer uh, for MVLA boys. Um, and I was teaching and coaching at Foothill junior college. And, uh, um, one of my old teammates, uh, in 1986 became the men's coach at Santa Clara university, Steve Sampson. Steve went on to coach our world cup team in 98. And, um, Steve asked me to be the, his men's assistant coach in 86 when he first got the job and I turned him down and um for lack of funding in that position i turned him down and and then he came back to me in 87 and said hey um so this is a little bit different but i'd like you to be my assistant with the men and head coach for the women and so we got more money for you and i was so excited about this more money deal uh because i needed the money quite honestly and more money meant twenty four hundred dollars for the year <laughs> and, and, and that's the truth yeah. i made twenty four hundred dollars for the year and so, you know, coaching club soccer and doing other things and trying to do camps and clinics to get by, not knowing it would turn into something, um, you know, that I'd be there 34 years later. So um, I did the I did assistant for men for three years in addition to the women, 87, 88, 89. 89 was a cool year for us at Santa Clara. The men were co-champs with Virginia uh, back when we had co-champs. Um, and then the women became the first women's team in the history of the school in any women's sport to go to the NCAA tournament. We went to the NCAA tournament and we ended up playing in the final four uh, in 1989. And I got a quick funny story on the 89 final four. I was so excited. It was NC state, Carolina, Colorado college and Santa Clara. And it was at NC state because somehow they were better than Carolina that year. And Whoever was the highest seed got to host the uh, final four weekend, which was a Saturday, Sunday. And so NC state hosted, this is before we went to predetermined sites, 94, we went to predetermined sites and uh, I was so excited. We were the second game. The first game was Carolina NC state and the place was packed and it was rocking and Carolina wins kind of late in the game three, two, um, and then we're getting ready to take the field and the stadium just completely emptied. Yeah. <laughs> there was nobody, there was no, there was like a hundred parents in the stand between Colorado college and Santa Clara. And it was so anticlimactic. <laughs> they, they beat us two one. They had a player, a Carrie Tashiro, who just was a goal scoring machine and she scored two goals and eliminated us. But, but 89 was a cool year for us at Santa Clara and uh, the university decided to make the women's head coaching position full time. And once again, I needed the money. Yeah. And I said, yeah, let me, I got to do this. And I went from $2,400 for, 
for the year to twenty four thousand uh, dollars, which in California doesn't go very far even back then. <laughs> and, and but it was a big jump. And yeah. so I, I took it, and thirty four years later, I'm still there. Yeah, it's awesome. 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 I gotta ask you, um, what? Uh, that, there's a lot of things that I want to ask you, but I gotta ask you this one first, um, because you're the only only coach in college soccer who has this very unique situation. What is it like being married to a global icon? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, you know, I, uh, it's, it's a really, so God, I could go so many different ways with that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I pretty much like live in the shadow. So wherever we go, people are, you know, they're like, they run over me to get to Brandy. Like I'm not even there. So that's pretty much my world. And uh, so thankfully I've been at Santa Clara long enough and we've won enough games where people are like, Oh, Hey, I think that's that Santa Clara soccer coach. So, uh, so I, I get like, you know, a little bit of attention. Right. Um, the, on the other hand, it's just so awesome to see, uh, you know, young girls particularly, but so many different people just how um, appreciative they are of Brandy and her teammates for what they did for women's soccer or women's sports in, in our country and globally. Um, and Brandy is so good with people. She just is so friendly. She's so good. She's so patient. Um, I've learned so much from how she handles a lot of different situations. Um, and, um, you know, I think the other thing that's really cool about Brandy, Brandy's probably one of the most courageous, if not the most courageous person that I know. So in other words, she's just fearless. It, it doesn't matter, you know, like she plays in the, um, you know, not anymore, but she used to play in the AT&T golf tournament, Pebble Beach. And, yeah. you know, that's a boy, it's nerve wracking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, she always played well. One one day she and her partner, Ricky Barnes, made it to Sunday, Sunday at Pebble Beach. And the AT&T is just as, about as cool as it gets. Yeah. And, and to show you how well Brandy played, Ricky didn't make the cut. So he had to play Sunday for the team, but couldn't make any money because he didn't make the cut. Uh, that's how wow. well Brandy played. Yeah. Um, I've seen her like almost beat Jack Nicholas in a putting contest. I've seen her meet, beat Michael Jordan in cards. Yeah. I've seen her do all these things where she just is not intimidated. It's really cool to see her in those type of environments. I remember the first time I walked into the ESPYs into the green room with Brandy and we walk in, the door opens, and I'm just in awe of the people that I'm looking at. And uh, with Jordan, Gretzky, and Elway had started a company together. I think it was called MVP.com, which fizzled out. But they were kind of – they were standing in part of the room where we walked in. And I'm just like, oh, my God, look who's in front of me. And all of a sudden, they looked at her. They are like, Brandy, girl, <laughs> get over here. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> So it just, um, it's very surreal. Uh, I've been very lucky. The places we go, the people that, you know, I remember, you know, God, not to name drop, but that's who Brandy's, I mean, we had dinner one time at Jordan's tournament. Our dinner table was Bill Clinton, Spike Lee, Judd Nelson, Michael Jordan, (laughs) Wayne Gretzky, his wife, Janet, and then me. And I was like, what the heck am I doing at this table? 
And uh, so it's been a really cool ride. But, um, you know, Brandy, is, she's, she's very courageous. She, she's, un, she's not intimidated. And uh, she goes out there and battles for our sport, battles for women, um, and is out there making a difference. And it's pretty cool to be around. Yeah, she, she's, I've seen her in these environments with these uh, young kids, and she's so good with them. And by the way, she's a fantastic coach. She is a fantastic coach. Yeah. We are somehow missing out because she should be involved in our with our uh, national team program somewhere along the way. And she wants to be involved with our national team. And she's, she's very she's, good. She's, she's very made good. that point, and you know she's working really hard. She's been she's she's involved in another U.S. soccer school uh, right now, and I, I don't really know the program, Chris. I should know it. But it's like a year-long program. It's like a mentoring thing. She constantly has to give reports and so on and so forth. She is working her tail off to be the best coach she can possibly be because her her ultimate goal would be to be involved in the coaching staff of, of some of the youth national teams. That should be great. Hopefully she'll get that opportunity someday. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this, Jerry, about um, – uh, coach, what it was like coaching Julie Ertz and, and watching her development now and how she's become such a, a massive player for us with the U.S. Women's National Team. What was yeah. that like? Yeah, real pleasure. Uh, Julie's a grinder. She's blue collar. She's hardworking. Um, she's a very kind of thankful person. Um, uh, very uh, focused. Julie's the first – Julie – Julie's the first person that the light bulb came on for her uh, early in her sophomore year. I think as college coaches, we can all appreciate when the light bulb comes on, but it's usually like junior year, senior year, maybe after they graduate, maybe 10 years late, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. Julie came to me November of her sophomore year. We just got eliminated from the tournament and she said, okay, how do we do this? I want to reach my potential as a soccer player. I want to play for the national team someday. We have this under 20 world cup coming in up next year. Uh, I don't even know if I'm on their radar. How do I get going? And uh, she decided not to go home for Christmas break, stayed at Santa Clara. We trained. She went to the January camp for the U 20s. Steve Swanson was the coach. I had two other players there. So I called Swanee afterward. I said, Swanee had had the Santa Clara kids do. So he gave me the update on the other two. And he went to Julie. He said, Hey coach, she's on the outside looking in. I go, really? He goes, yeah, we got some midfielders that were really full there. And, uh, and I said, well, Hey, I'll tell you what, you know, we played Julie a little bit at center back this year. And how's your center back situation? He said, we need help. I said, do me a favor. Just take a look at her at center back at the next camp. She went from the outside looking in to being voted team captain by her teammates, winning the silver ball and winning the U-20 World Cup um, and made the, uh, well, silver ball. So she obviously made the, 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 the U-20 top 11 or whatever that is. <coughs> and uh, and just hasn't looked back, um, you know, but but she really just said, look, I, I'm, I'm done with everything. Tell me, tell me. Tell me what I need to do and tell me what not to do. You say, don't eat this food. I'm not going to eat this food. You say, train this way. I'm going to train this way. You know, Julie was bad at film work. And I go, Jules, your film work is terrible. It's really shabby. we got to sharpen up your film work and you got to become a student of the game. She was on it. About that same time, she met her future husband, Zach Ertz. 
Now, Zach is the same as Julie. Zach is like uber focused. He just wants to be the best tight end that he could possibly be. So those two are a perfect couple. And I think they fed off of each other in terms of their focus, their commitment. Um, and um, I think that the, the fact that they met each other, I think helped them both. But, but I've never had someone come to me quite that early in their college career and say, look, I will give up everything you tell me to give up. I will, I will stop doing anything and I will do everything you want me to do. Help me get to this goal. Let's do it. And um, it, of course, that's like a coach's dream. So absolutely, it became coach's dream. The one thing I will say with Julie, she's, and I love this about her. I think all of the, all of us here in coaching, you know, you want your kids to be fiery and passionate and uh, independent and, you know, so we have a culture at Santa Clara where you can absolutely challenge the coaches and you can challenge the head coach. And trust me, Julie challenged the head coach quite a bit. <laughs> I remember the first time I told her she was going to play center back, she just said no. I was like, okay, well, well, wait a minute. <laughs> let's back up. let's back up a couple steps. And uh, we had we had it we had kind of an argument. We were in Oregon and we were at the hotel. Murph, my head co- the associate head coach, Greg Murphy, he and I go, hey Murph. I need you in this meeting with Julie. She's going to be a battle here. She's not going to like this. So we go down to the lobby and she comes down and I said, Hey Jules, we're, we're going to try it center back today. And uh, she goes, no. And I said, well, you know, hold on. You know, I, 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 I respect how passionate you are and how stubborn you are, how committed. And I said, well, why don't you, why aren't you going to play center back? She said, we won't score. And I said, we will score. And I need you at center back. And you can help us offensively and defensively, and your leadership will be even more impactful if we have the back of the team. I'm not saying we're going to move you permanently to center back. I'm just saying there are going to be some games that we need you to play center back. And I think today's a good day to get started with it. She argued. We went back and forth. She got up from the, she stomped away from the meeting, and I turned to Murph. I said, "I think we just lost that kid." And I go. You know, if that's the case, so be it. You know, she can't coach the team. I love her passion, but she can't coach the team. I got to coach the team. And uh, she was walking away, and I go, Jules, are you good? Jules, are you good? And she turned around and looked at me and gave me like a half thumbs up and got in the elevator like, I don't like this at all, but I'll do it. And, uh, but, you know, Brandy is stubborn. Allie Wagner is stubborn. Julie Ertz is stubborn. I've had Leslie Osborne. I have a lot of stubborn kids. And and part of the reason they're successful is because they're so stubborn and so determined and they're, they're so committed to what they want to do. And I love that about Julie. I'm not sure I get in a fight with her. She probably kicked (laughs) my butt, but she, she she was a fun kid, fun kid to coach. That's awesome. Good. I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, your national championship run. Um, it had to be a you know fantastic time for you, and and certainly a lot of fun. Like what do you, what do you remember about those days? Yeah, well, I think what I remember is um, it was our eighth Final Four, and I was like after after number seven, I was you know that was a, after we lost to Notre Dame uh, in the seventh Final Four at Spartan Stadium. We had a year, Chris, in 1999 where we scored 108 goals and allowed 10. And uh, we beat UCLA 7-0 in the Sweet 16. And, I mean, the team was just about as good a team as I've ever coached. 
and we lost to Notre Dame 1-0. Uh, Keisha Bean just stopped everything on that day, and 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 uh, the Fighting Irish beat us. And I just remember after that year thinking, man, I just, maybe this is just never going to happen for Santa Clara. Just you know, I think we we did about everything right, and we couldn't win. And uh, so. 2000, you know, you know, we had another good season and, you know, didn't win. And then here we are in 2001, the year that we finally won it. And after the two, after the 99 season, Chris, you, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, you know, we looked at uh, Rich Manning was my assistant coach and, and had, you know, and we got together, coach said, what do we need? And I said, you know what? We're just not tough enough. We're not hard enough. I need some tougher, harder players. And uh, we went out and got Jess Ballwig out of New Jersey. We got Leslie Osborne out of Wisconsin. And these kids are blue collar. I mean, these kids are tough, edgy. And uh, those two kids were freshmen in 2001 when we won the championship. And I think even though they were younger players, they brought a little edge to Santa Clara. Santa Clara could play. We could move the ball but I don't know that we were edgy enough to, to win, especially against the best teams. And I think those kids brought some edge to what we were doing. We didn't score nearly the goals that we did um, in 2001, like we did in 99, but we were, we were tough to score against and uh, we could score, but we were going to make it very tough on you in terms of scoring. And I, and I think that was a, a big difference and we could score the tough goal. Leslie played up front for us in 2001 and she just, she could score the tough goal. And I think those are kind of the things that we were, we were missing, but we played um, in the, um, in the semifinal, we played uh, Florida and uh, it's funny in, in, in uh, Abby, Abby Wambach's freshman year at Florida was 98. They beat us in the final four. I think it was at Greensboro. Um, they beat us in the final four and then they went on to beat Carolina and win the championship. And that was her freshman year. So now here we are in Abby's senior year. And by the way, I was coaching Abby at that time because I was coaching the U.S. Under 21 team and Abby was with me in the 21s. And so now here we are playing Abby again in the semifinal. This time we get the better end of her, which was her last college game. And then we go on to beat Carolina. Um, in that game, we were up 2-0 with eight minutes to play against Florida. Uh, we played at, uh, at SMU, was the national championship uh, venue. And uh, we were up 2-0 with eight minutes to play. And boom, boom, Florida scores twice in eight minutes. And we had to go to overtime. I had this kid on my team, Veronica Cepeda. She, had, she was really small, not very fast, but really skillful. Yeah, good little player. And uh, she had these uh, shin splints. And so the doc had said her minute limitation per game is 40 minutes. That's all she could play. So she had played her 40 minutes in the semifinal. This is one of my favorite stories. She plays her 40 minutes in the semifinal. She's got ice on both shins. Uh, We're going to win the game. We're up to zero with eight minutes to go. And then boom, boom, now – we're going to go into overtime and I'm shell shocked here. I'm shell shocked because this is my eighth trip to the final four. And here we go again, somehow we're going to lose this game. And, uh, 
I'm, I'm trying to get with the other coaches and try to figure out what we're going to do here before we're going to overtime. And I look over and Cepeda is taking the ice off and, and trying to get her socks. And I, I go to our trainer. I go, hey, can she play? She, he goes, no. I go, she thinks she's playing. <laughs> and I, I looked over at her and she said, I'm playing. And the trainer goes, well, wait a minute. She goes, wait a minute. If you go past this minute limitation, you will have nothing left for the championship. She said, put me in, I'll score, and we'll win. So we, the trainer gave me the go-ahead. Veronica played. I don't know how many minutes we played overtime. It wasn't very much, and she scored, and we won. <laughs> Fantastic. And, uh, That's great. Yeah, and then we go in. Then we played. Uh, we played Carolina in the final there, one 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 zero. My fun little side story there is, uh, I have a very good friend who is now the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash. Steve had played basketball at Santa Clara, and he is Steve is the biggest soccer fan you're ever going to meet, and he loves uh, soccer, and he loved our soccer team. Steve was playing for the Dallas Mavericks uh in 2001 so steve played the lakers on wednesday in la they get back four in the morning thursday morning 11 in the morning steve's practicing with the santa clara women's soccer team his way too small santa clara soccer shirt and his basketball shoe and steve can play steve's a really good player so he practices with us on thursday we win the semifinal, Steve's in the stands on Friday. Saturday night, I take the team to watch Mavericks play Wizards when Jordan's playing for Wizards. Wow. And then and then Steve uh, addresses the team after the game. And now the, the, the Mavericks got to play Utah Sunday night. And um, – Steve asked Mark Cuban, can he fly separate from the team so he can stay and watch the championship game, which means Cuban's playing. So he gets permission. Steve watches the final with Brandy in the stands. Uh, We win. Steve charges the field, gives me a big hug, goes to the airport, gets on the plane, goes and has a triple-double at Utah. (laughs) He beat Utah also. So um, Pretty good day. Yeah, pretty good yeah. day. It was a great weekend, and uh, you know, kind of, I love the story about Cepeda, and I love that you know Abby knocked us out, but then we knocked her out, and I mm. teach each other about that. And and the fact that Steve was also there, and he's probably one of our biggest fans, was just a pretty cool weekend. Awesome, it's awesome. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Jerry. Um, tell me about, and and obviously you alluded to it a little bit salary wise, but with the staffs, with all those things, how different the job was when you started there at Santa Clara 34 years ago and now, now how it is now compared to now. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just so different. It's just, Matt, it's just so different. Mm. You know, we have this beautiful, I, I worked in a trailer for 18 years. Wow. Uh, I, I was in a trailer. It was just, they call it temporary office was a little trailer. I worked there for 18 years. Um, we have a, beautiful stadium which we didn't have a beautiful soccer only stadium which we didn't have we have a beautiful training field which we didn't have we have a beautiful 10 million dollar soccer only building on our campus men's soccer women's soccer has our own film room plunge pool room uh, beautiful locker room beautiful lounge uh 
we, the, I, I'm telling you the, tr- the, the, the locker room that our players used, you remember the old days when we were in, you know, you take gym class and you just go in, there's a bunch of metal lockers. Yeah. We didn't even have a room. We just changed in the, in the kind of the open locker room. There was no, there was no room for us even. And uh, now we have, we have this new AEC building, beautiful weight room, uh, beautiful treatment center, underwater treadmills, this stuff that just was unimaginable to us at the time. Uh, I have well-paid associate head coach, well-paid assistant coach. I got a director of operations, which is a godsend. Mm-hmm. I mean, what to do all that work, that's what we have to do. You know, we have to make all the flights, do all the meals, you know, get, make all the arrangements. It's just so much work. Uh, it takes a full-time person to do that. And uh, Jenna Lamb does that for us. So that's a full-time position. Uh, I was paying back in those days, I paid a strength and conditioning coach out of my camp money uh, so that our team would have some strength and conditioning. Now the university has a full-time strength and conditioning coach that works with our team and one other team. So they're basically half time with us. Um, and uh, so it, it really is, I mean, night and day is really an understatement for how drastically different it is now. It's awesome. I want to ask you about, you know, watching your teams over the years. Um, they've, they've got a very um, clear style in the way that, that they play. And it's been the same. It really has been the same over, over many, many years. Um, you know, it's a team that, you know, possesses the ball. It's a team that's fun to watch. It's an, it's an enjoyable, and it's an enjoyable experience to watch Santa Clara play. Um, so how do you, uh, first of all, how do you maintain that? Or, or first, how do you develop that? And then how do you maintain it over, over so many years? Yeah, well, thanks, Chris. You know, I can certainly remember some great battles with with you where both teams could really play. And uh, that's just a fun level of soccer. And I think, you know, when you when you think about it, I'm sure we've all thought about this, but you want to you want to you would like to be able to recruit these really talented players, but you don't have a chance to recruit these really talented players unless you're going to play. You know, they're they're not going to go somewhere where they can't play. So particularly midfielders, and we, we've had a good run at central midfielders in our program. And I think the fact that we try to play, particularly move the ball, keep the ball, have a rhythm to how we're playing, you know, we get a lot of these talented players that, that will look at us. And thankfully, we've been able to recruit a, a good percentage of those. Uh, but there's also some numbers involved, too. And I think, you know, I... In 1994, I worked for uh, FIFA uh, during the Men's World Cup here. Uh, I was on the technical report team for FIFA uh, when the U.S. hosted. And my direct report was Gerard Houllier, rest in peace. And um, I learned a lot from Gerard. I learned a lot from uh, being on the technical report team. You know, the advantages of keeping the ball, there's, you know, one – you're going to spend less energy Two, you're going to create chances to score and three, you're keeping your opponent from having a chance to score if you've got the ball. So now you can't just keep it forever. You know, Pep Guardiola has teams that, I mean, are amazingly good, but sometimes, you know, in my personal opinion, my very humble personal opinion, maybe possess the ball to a fault, you know, um, you know, that's not Santa Clara. We're, We're not good enough to keep the ball that long nor am I really interested in keeping the ball that long, but I do want to keep the ball and I want to move the ball for all the reasons I stated earlier. 
And that's always been a staple of how we, how we wanted to play. And I think for me, I was a midfielder. I wasn't a great athlete. I, I had to have something that was, I, I enjoyed and could work for me. That means I have to combine with other people. I'm not, I'm not a good enough athlete to do it on my own. And so I think each team, each coach tries to create a team somewhat how they, their, their, their vision of the game. And for me, it's share the ball, move the ball, keep the ball, value the ball until we get to the attacking third. Then we need some juice and see if we can create something once we get there. And um, yeah, and I think, you know, we've, we've been able to, we're looking for a certain type of player in our recruiting, even our back players. The most important thing we look for in a back player is can you help us keep the ball? And, uh, and I think we, we just kind of got on that train pretty early on and, and we just haven't had any reason to get off of it. And it's fun to see so many teams now playing, you know, a really attractive, fun, entertaining style of soccer. And I'm so happy when, you know, even though Stanford is, 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 you know, they live right next to us and they're rivals of ours and we battle each other. Uh, you know, that team can play. Man. Fun to watch. Yeah. yeah, fun to watch. You know, we've had some just absolutely entertaining games with Stanford. And there's times we beat them. There's times that they beat us. But each time the fans walk away with, wow, that is a, a good level. That was entertaining. The players are enjoying it. And I think we all have a responsibility to continue to try to elevate the game. And if, if I'm honest with you early on in my coaching, I wasn't trying to elevate the game. I'm trying to win something. Yeah. That, that's the truth, you know, but I think as you get older, you think about, you know, what's the mark you want to leave and, you know, are you making the game better somehow, you know, with whatever it is that you're doing. And um, yeah, that's, that's been important to us. And that, and that's really, that's really helped us. And that's part of, just now it's part of the fabric of Santa Clara women's soccer. So it's there to stay at least, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah. It's who you are for sure. I mean, just, yeah. you know, sometimes like you could turn on the TV and watch the game and, and if it, the team didn't have a Jersey on it, you'd still know it was Santa Clara by the way they played. Yeah. Well, thank totally you. I agree. appreciate that's quite a compliment. Yeah, totally agree. All right, Jerry. So let me ask you this. Um, you're obviously, you know, through the years, and, and we're all on the listservs, and we see it, and you guys don't duck anybody. Uh, no. It's impressive. Your your scheduling is so, so impressive. So give me your scheduling philosophy. Yeah, so we're, you know, I think when I first got there, I got there in 87, so the 88, so 87 schedule was done when I got there. I got there in April of 87. We got to play games in 87. The first opportunity I had to schedule was for the 88 season. And I was new to women's soccer. I had one year of coaching junior college women's soccer in 1986. And that was my total list of women's soccer teams. I could. So I was new. I didn't really know a lot. So I was learning. Quickly found out that the North Carolina Tar Heels are pretty darn good. And um, <laughs> so that's actually the first game I scheduled in 1988. Uh, I, sched- I played North Carolina. Anson was so good and his teams were so good. He would accept anything. You know, if he said if he had to play three games in three days, he would yeah. just do it. He didn't care. His team was so good. So he was going out to Colorado to play two games. And I said, look, I'll play Colorado College and I'll play North Carolina. These are the two at, in the in the late 80s. Those were enormous. They were giants. 
And that's the first weekend I scheduled when I got a hold of the schedule. And uh, we lost both games, but they were both close. And, um, you know, I think for us in terms of philosophy, Matt, it's about what are we trying, what are we trying to do? You know, and in our program, having, having played in 10 college cups, college cups is where we want to go. And if you're going to go to the college cup, you're going to have to play and beat some really, really, really good teams. And um, so let's get those guys in the regular season. Let let them expose our weaknesses, show us where our holes are, give us some time to patch those up so that when we get to the tournament, we'll be more ready to have success and hopefully make a deep run. For me, it's about, can you make a deep run or not? That, that's really the standard at Santa Clara. And for me, I've been real fortunate. I've coached in 20 Sweet 16s, 15 Elite 8s, and 10 Final 4s. And uh, so we made a lot of deep runs. Um, but we took some lumps along the way during the regular season to get there. Mm. Yeah. You know, we, we have, Matt, we have five core values in our women's soccer team that we established about 30 years ago. And one of them is embrace the opportunity for growth and success. And, you know, I, we're not afraid of being successful. We're not afraid of being in the limelight, but we're also not afraid of failing. We're just not afraid of failing. We're, we're good with fail. We need failure. Probably we need that to help, help us grow. And um, I think we've tried to live up to our core values also when we do our scheduling. Yeah, no question. It's really impressive. Really impressive. Yeah, Chris. Are you uh, still involved with the Leadership Academy? I know at one time you had started a Leadership Academy out there. And what can you tell us about that? Yeah, thanks, Chris. So we um, we have a, um, it's called the uh, Coaching for Life Academy. And uh, this is something that uh, I said to my team just a couple of weeks ago. I said, guys, I cannot wait to retire from coaching so that I can really invest full time in the Coaching for Life Academy. I absolutely love the Coaching Academy. I said, the issue is right now, I'm still loving coaching. I said, and so this is coaching is my number one priority. And we're slowly inching our way forward as a coaching for life Academy at Santa Clara university. Um, it's a formal program. It's in our graduate school, um, uh, of education. And, uh, but when I do retire from coaching or as the president of Santa Clara university reminded me when they think I'm done with coaching, <laughs> uh, um, I'll do the coaching for life Academy full time. And, and really I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. The number one, our mission with the Coaching for Life Academy is to make the teaching of life skills the number one priority in youth sports. So we're all going to teach hitting and passing and, you know, uh, free throws and dribbling and, you know, swim stroke. And but more than that, and, and I know you guys already know this, but to your audience, we're trying to teach discipline and focus and teamwork and communication and conflict resolution and these are the far more important things and um, the coaching for life Academy will just help all coaches, particularly youth coaches have some, some better tools so that they can more effectively teach those things in addition to offense and defense and X's and O's and overlapping and, you know, these things that we do in our sport. So I'm, 
I can't wait to retire so I can do coaching for life Academy. The problem is I'm having too much fun coaching still. Mm. And so trying to, trying to do a little bit of the coaching for life Academy, I can't wait for that thing to blow up. It, it's not there yet. It's not even that close to blowing up, but I guarantee you it will. And, and it'll be something that I'm really passionate about. And until then we'll just keep inching our way forward. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, this is my last one. Uh, last one for me, Jerry. Um, one, I've watched your team play twice, and I, I think they're great. And I'm supposed to ask you, although Bertie told me you had knee replacement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To see how, how that's going. <laughs> and, this, and then the last thing is just tell us, uh, give us a little bit about your team this year and, and how you kind of feel about it. Yeah, thanks. I, I had knee replacement on December 21, so I'm just three months out of it. And I'll tell you what, I thought I was a tough guy. Forget about it. Forget about it. This knee replacement kicked my butt, and the rehab has absolutely kicked my butt. And I have a lot of appreciation for people that have gone through this and come out of it. So that's been a little bit of a battle, uh, but it's doing what's doing well now. And I'm over the hump. Uh, my team this year is um, it's a good team. You know, we, we got off to a slow start because uh, we live in Santa Clara County and uh, most of the country, I think, knows we are the first county in America to shut down. And we're going to be the last county in America to open up. I can just about guarantee you that. It's just really tough. Our state is tough, but our county is even tougher. So our first practice uh, for this year was February 10th. Our first team practice was February 10th, which put us about five weeks behind the rest of the country in terms of getting going. Our first game was uh, we had to cancel our Stanford game. We had to cancel all of our non-conference games. Our first conference game was supposed to be Pepperdine on February 17th. When we started practice February 10th, we have GPS units and we did all our testing and our numbers were way off. So our sports medicine team said, there's no way you guys can play. We're not allowing you to play. You got to postpone your Pepperdine game. So that gave us two weeks to get ready for our Portland match on the 24th. And uh, so we've played five matches. Uh, we won all five of our matches uh, we won in a couple of tough places for us. Uh, BYU is uh, one of the toughest venues for us. And I, I, someone told me they have the second best home winning percentage in the country behind Carolina. I don't know that. For I wouldn't fact. doubt it. I wouldn't yeah, doubt it either. Yeah. They are really tough. So we won at BYU. They're, they're with a unanimous pick to win our league. Uh, a, B, they're better than us. And C, uh, it's just not easy to win in Provo, Utah. And uh, we went up there, and uh, they scored in the first four minutes. Um, it was uh, snowing. Um, it was cold. It wasn't like California at all. It was uh, 5,000 feet elevation there. So even the coaches are sucking wind, let alone the players. Yeah. And um, they scored in four minutes. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And um, we came back and we tied the score. Uh, Kelsey Turnbow scored for us. And then at the very end of the game, Julie Dole scored a game winner for us with two minutes to go. That was the longest two minutes of my life. <laughs> and, uh, when I, when she scored and I looked up at the clock immediately and saw two minutes, I was like, ah, shit, <laughs> that's too long. And, uh, so um a quick story on that, by the way, we played, we played Carolina in 92. Their front line was Mia Hamm, uh, Tisha Venturini and Christine Lilly. And uh, we played them in semifinal. 
And uh, we hit the crossbar like seven minutes into the game. Uh, we lost 2-0. Uh, 15 minutes to go, it was 0-0, so we were hanging in there. Um, and the press conference afterward, a reporter asked me, like, hey, coach, man, that would have really changed the game if you had scored that goal. I said, yeah, it would have stirred up the hornet's nest. That's all yeah. that would have done. Yeah. We would have got our butt kicked. And then the next day, Carolina played Duke. And yeah. what happened? Duke yeah. scored first. Yeah. And, they, and Carolina won 9-1. to one. Yeah. <laughs> or, so I hope Billy Hempen's not listening. Billy he does listen. He does. Oh listen. no, he Billy! Does, I didn't mean to tell that story, William. Uh, so, uh, but but anyway, we we scored at the end of the game, and as it turns out, that was my 500th victory as a coach. So oh wow! I got, I got to 500. Yeah. So, and to do that at BYU against such a good coach and good team was uh, was really satisfying. And then uh, two games ago, we went down to Pepperdine. That's a very tough venue for us. Uh, even when we won the national championship in 01, we lost one game that year. and It was at Pepperdine. Mm-hmm. It's just been a tough place for us to play. It's a different field and environment than what we have at Santa Clara. It's kind of a very narrow field. And uh, it just we just haven't had a lot of success down there. And uh, the halftime was 0-0. We went up 1-0. They tied it up. We went up 2-1. They tied it up. They went ahead 3-2. We scored 3-3 right before the end of the game. And then we went to the second overtime, and Kelsey Turnbow again got the game winner for us. So uh, in spite of the late start, uh, kind of the funkiness of this year, um, team is playing well, doing well, and uh, we're actually going to play BYU again uh, Wednesday night. BYU, it's a non-conference game. So, uh, you know, it doesn't count for our conference, but it may have some implications for the NCAA tournament. So uh, we'll play them again on Wednesday night and see how that goes. But, yeah, really proud of my team. You know, I think anybody who's playing well right now has to have overcome so many obstacles to get to a point where they're playing well, way more than we would normally have to deal with. So, you know, there's a lot of good staff and coaches and players and administrators to thank for that happening at Santa Clara and anywhere else where someone's playing well. Sure. sure. Great. Well, Jerry, look, really appreciate you coming on. And uh, you know, you've been such a such a great, um, successful, um, fantastic coach for so many, so many years. You're one of the icons in, in women's soccer for me. And uh we're just really excited that you took the time out and, and spent spent a little bit of your day with us. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's fun to tell stories. It's fun to be with old friends. I think, Chris, when you sent me that uh, email, it took me about uh, 30 seconds to reply <laughs> back with I'm in. So uh, great to be with you guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let, me, let me say this, Jerry. If I see you and Brandy in the airport, I'll come up to you. Please do. Can you please do that? Yeah, I walk by Brandy. And the, the people, the people that come up to me at the airport, you know, they're like, only to ask me, is that really Brandy? <laughs> you know, a, a B. Great. My name to all of those people is Mister Chastain, not Jerry Smith. <laughs> and then C. To make matters worse, I think I'm uh, I'm only eight years older than Brandy, maybe nine. I guess I'm nine years older than Brandy. Three times in my life, people have come up to me and they're like, oh, my God, 
I didn't know you were Brandy's father. <laughs> you must love it, though. Yeah, so, please, it. so please come up to me and try to ignore yeah, her. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That would be great. You got, you got it, Jerry. Thanks right. so much Bye, for coming boys. on. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate See it. You, You're great. Okay, Matt. What are we looking forward to this week? What you got going on? Yeah, so I've been watching lots of games. Again, uh, my wife, bless her heart, has let me sit back and watch games. And this is – we're getting down to it now where uh, where really it's it's some exciting matches that really are meaningful for teams trying to to qualify for their conference tournaments, to, to figure out where they're going to be and implications on on what the, the field's going to look like. So I'm excited to sit back and watch some games. We have a game on um, this Friday night. Obviously, it's Easter weekend, so – we take it on Arkansas State. Looking forward to that at home. And then uh, sit back and see what happens on Saturday. Lots of games on Saturday for sure. Yeah, you? So there's, there's some games I had highlighted. Uh, okay. We talked about Santa Clara and BYU, UCLA and Washington State. Uh, Miami and Florida and Becky's last game. Yeah. And that's the reason why I threw that on them. Uh, TCU, Oklahoma State, Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, Washington, it's like a lot of West Coast games that, that are yeah. uh, pretty important games for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Becky Burley's last college game. It's, it seems strange to say, doesn't it? Yeah. I yeah. think we got a lot of those, you know, in the next certainly few years of people that have been here forever, doing it forever, doing such a good job and uh, stepping, starting to get into retirement. So, uh, yeah. Barnsley's, Barnsley's going to uh, play in her last game. Yeah. So, yeah. certainly hope it's a good match. Hey, uh, you know what happens on Thursday? What? Yankees baseball. There we go. Oh, hey. opening day. Yeah, let's go. Cole will be on the mound. Nice. Strike nice. out 12, give up three home runs. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who are they playing? I don't even know. Uh, Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, baseball's back. That's pretty exciting. You know, college baseball, obviously, in the Southeast Conference is pretty awesome, and it's uh, they're letting – a lot of these places are letting the crowds back in. It's so nice to see, and it's starting to look – look real, you know? So yeah. hopefully that continues throughout the summer. Great. Great. Yeah. All right. Let's go some power five, Chris, power shall we? Five, Matt. Power five. This was your call. It was your idea. Um, yeah. based on me talking to you about getting into chess. Yeah. Um, so this is, a, this is a good you seem like the checkers type to me. You don't seem like the chess type. <laughs> that is so well said and so true. Uh, I love checkers and I don't know. I'm struggling with chess, but anyway, uh, let's go. Power five board games. Um, you want to go first? Sure. I, I'm not. Listen, I'll say this. I'm not real confident about my list. I, I'm not. I've struggled no. with it. You seem very confident when no, you. Uh, no, when you no, probably, no. Oh, I, I said, hey, what about card games and board games? You said, no, board games only. So you seem very yeah. confident. I didn't have a list at the time. I just thought that that uh-huh. was more, you okay. know, better than combining the two. Okay. My number five yes. is a game that. Um, we spent a lot of time in college playing in dorm. It was called backgammon. I like backgammon. I actually mentioned it to Jen the other night. I said, you know, I know how to play backgammon. You spent a lot of time in your dorm playing backgammon. We really did. You know, us serious athletes, you know, we were, uh, uh, we were very concentrated. You were, you, were, backgammon. you were on the front end of the bubble way back then. Who would have known? Yeah. Who would have known you were in your own bubble? Sure. We did. We okay. Well, time. my uh, my number five, it sounds like earlier you thought it should be my number one, is checkers. 
Yeah, yeah, you enjoy checkers. checkers. I could see yeah. you a checkers cop. <laughs> a simple game. Yeah. Yeah. Very simple, enjoyable, quack, quick, yeah. fast moving. Not like me. I like the moving. double jump. The double jump. Oh, the double jump's nice. Yeah. Double jump's nice. Yeah. King me. All right, number four for you. This one, um, you won't like. I know you don't like this game. Probably why I put it on there because you don't like it. Um, Scrabble. Oh, I do not like it. Awful. <laughs> Awful. Uh, it's because you can't spell yeah i'm not the best speller out there there's no (laughs) doubt so yeah no i i i don't know scrabble's not in for me i I don't care for it i've I've played it once or twice maybe at the most but i used to you know i used to do honestly god i used to play scrabble online you know you could do that with your phone yeah i would cheat i'd pull it i'd put it put the letters in in the internet and see what it come up with (laughs) Uh, okay my number four this fits right into my intelligence level for without question Trivial Pursuit. You don't like that game. <laughs> I do like that game. There's no way. <laughs> it's a board game. I like it. The, the, you know, the kids edition. <laughs> or the boy band edition. Yeah. Trivia, <laughs> Trivial Pursuit. I had to come up with something. This yeah. is hard. Okay. Yeah, you, know, I, I, you know, when I was in college, I didn't sit in the dorm and play backgammon. <laughs> I was actually out. <laughs> Saving lives, you know, as I was saving lives at the Coast Guard when yeah, I was playing backgammon. Yeah. College. Okay. Number three. The game of life. Yeah. I never liked the I never liked the spinny thing. I like the little car me. with the people in it, you know. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Sure. Back. I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of annoyed me spinning the spinning thing. But it's fine. It's fine. I didn't play it much. Get a little yeah. boring. My number three? Yeah. This is a good one. Pictionary. Yeah. Well, look. What's the board? Think... What is the board you use? You yeah, get a name and you draw stuff. What's the board? Yeah, the no, board? you have to move on the board. You move on the board, just don't you? No. <laughs> How do you win then? No board. There is if a your board, team gets there? it, if your team picks the right thing that's being drawn, you get points. Look it up, Darren. See if there's a board. I, I think there's I, a board. I got. I got to be honest. With you, I don't think I've ever played, so I, I, I probably See? shouldn't have an opinion. Yeah, you shouldn't. I can right, see number, you up there drawing. You're number two. Uh, no, I'd like to up. see you up there drawing, you know, a picture. Oh, I'm, an art, I'm an artiste, Chris. I'm an artist. They have little cards, I think, but I don't think you have points. All right, number two for you. Um, Battleship. That doesn't have a board. It has a, ba- it has a computer thing. Of course it has a board. It's two boards. Uh, let me go back to Pictionary real quick. I'm sorry, I got an answer. It is a board game, yes. There are dice. And Thank you. Yep, you're there correct. You yep. okay, Thank you. Wait, all right. Battleship has a board. No, it doesn't have a board that you move things on. It's like just sticking the. Uh huh. Well, Chris, being again the Coast Guard guy that I am, I don't, I don't approve of sinking ships. <laughs> I don't approve of a game that you try and hit and blow up a ship. Didn't okay, you guys try to do that. Didn't you try huh? to sink other ships? No, I was saving lives, Chris, and busted drug smugglers. I wasn't sinking ships. People trying to sink your ship? No, that's a navy. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, those yeah. are those tough guys. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's that's a little. No, I think much. that's a good one. That was one of the best ones. I don't think it has a board. All right. Was that number two? My number two? No. I bet it's gonna be your number one. Monopoly. Yeah, it's my number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Knew it. Knew it. You're so predictable. Yeah. Good one. That's a good one, right? That's but my number one. My number one. Chess. No, it can't be your number one. Why not? You've played it for three days. I, I've I've only played about five games, but it's so interesting. I'm watching oh, these movies game. on it. The it's Queen's Gambit, Finding Jimmy Fisher. No, what's the guy's name? 
Bobby Fisher. Bobby Fisher. I'm it, getting it, into it. it. it I'm so into it. It's not, it. It's it's not a game one. for the masses, Matt. It's not a game for the masses. You know, like no, but this is the thing. Game for the upper crust, which is like that's you. I would argue it's the <laughs> oldest. It's the oldest board game ever. Yeah. Boom. Boom. I, I, Hold on. And here's the thing. No, here's the thing, Chris. Yeah. Everybody I talk to knows how to play. How have I missed the boat on this? I'm 50 years old and just now learning how to play. Every, my kids know how it. How could it be the greatest kids? board game ever if for 50 years you didn't even play it? You didn't even know how to play. <laughs> because now I appreciate it be number one the beauty. On the I appreciate the beauty <laughs> of the it's movements years. of these pieces. He didn't have time to play. He was saving lives. Come on. That's right. Thank you, Darren. Thank you. All right. We done. Interested to see where the voters go on this one. It will be. All right. Here's my five. I can't believe we only had one the same. My five checkers, Trivial Pursuit, Pictionary, which is a board game, Monopoly, and chess. All right. I I went Backgammon, Scrabble, Life, Battleship, which is a board game, and Monopoly. Yeah, I think I crushed you. I'm not going to lie. I think I crushed you. You might. Not chess players out there. Okay. Good show. Jerry was great. I thought he was really fun to listen to. Great stories. Um, well, what a, what a career he's had and, and continues to have. And, and it's just awesome. So my um, restaurant recipe for the week is in good old Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, unfortunately, I've been there many times playing Florida State. Not very successful. But there is a little pizza place right there off campus called Momo's Pizza. And the, the, the tagline, Chris, is a slice as big as your head. Yes. So it's it's really good, thin crust, New York style. The place very is pretty good. eclectic. Um, very good place. You know, it's 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 just paper plates and paper uh, uten- or plastic utensils. It's yep. great great place. So if you're in Tallahassee, look up Momos. You will not be disappointed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. All right. Um, that's it, Chris. Good show. Good episode. Uh, Enjoyed it. Uh, again, Jerry was great. Do we want to uh, preview next week's? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you tell the listeners? It's very exciting who we got coming. <laughs> so next week's show, our guest will be Anson Dorrance. And I don't think he needs any inter- introduction. <laughs> if the people that are listening to College Soccer Nation don't know who Anson Dorrance is, <laughs> stop listening to College Soccer Nation. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. He'll join us for a great conversation next week. Super excited to have him, right? I hope he. I hope he's okay with my questions. I'm already nervous since a week away. <laughs> we got to have good questions, but uh, entertainment. He will be. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be honest. Um, uh, he'll he'll be really good. I'm sure. Well, what people don't understand is how expensive it is to get him on a, a a show, a podcast, and you know we were able to you know get our sponsors to really pony up to uh, to get him to come on. So yeah. we appreciate that. All of our sponsors out there are great, and. Yeah. Uh, Looking forward to that for sure. Anyway, just kidding. Yeah. Great. Looking forward to answering for sure. Listen to this one. Download and give us five stars. Uh, College Soccer Nation, we really appreciate everything you're doing. Our downloads are flying. So appreciate you listening. Tell a friend. Give us a download. Give us five star. Give us a review. And that'll be it. We'll see you next Monday. College Soccer Nation is out. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.